0: Hi, I'm Sheryl Fenn. Hello, this is
1: Krista Hello, this is Michael Horse.
0: I'm Amy Shields.
1: I'm Mark Frost. Hi,
0: I'm Kimmy
1: Robertson. Hey, Ben, this is David Duchovny.
0: We have a beautiful, beautiful book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book. You can get up at bluerosemag.com. Supplies are limited. Uh, get this bad boy while it's hot. want to say we're under the 300 mark for these books. Yes. And then yes. once they're gone, they are gone.
2: Our thinking would be that the book would be gone by the end of the year. I mean, I don't even know if it's going to last that long. But the idea was that, hey, this is the 30th anniversary. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to have a book that could be available to really diehard Twin Peaks fans? We recommend you pick it up at BlueRoseMag.com.
1: Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and,
0: and keeping Twin
1: Peaks alive.
3: Oh.
2: Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me
0: is... Brian Kazaska. Hey, Brian. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? Doing good. I am doing so good today because we have the wonderful Kristen McKenna.
2: So we're going to talk about the new book, Someone is in My House. It's a companion book, The Netherlands Exposition, which is still going on until April 28th. Hi, Kristen.
3: Yes, it continues to April, and then a big portion of the show is moving to a museum in Manchester.
2: Oh, that's wow! So it is continuing. That's great news.
3: Yeah, and some of the work's going to a show in Tokyo. So, um, yeah, he's got a lot. He's got a lot going on with his art career now.
2: That's awesome. And so, how did you get involved with this? Uh, the book? Or are you also involved with the exposition?
3: Um, how was I involved? Um, Stein, who was curated it and is the director of the Bonifantin Museum, where that show is, um, came to see David a couple times when he was preparing the show, and he just wanted to have coffee, so we had coffee, and he asked me to write an essay for the book. And I said, I would love to. And I went, the show is incredible. It's really, it's probably the hugest show there will ever be of David's work. It's like everything. It's 16 rooms. It's gigantic. Oh, my God.
0: I
2: think I heard it was like 500 pieces involved.
3: Wow. It is gigantic. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. It was also mentioned that you helped out with text uh, contributions. What did that involve?
3: Well, okay, I went... The McDowell Colony in New Hampshire, I think it's New Hampshire, gave David their, their yearly medal, I think like two years ago. Hmm. And David couldn't go, and he asked me to go collect it for him and give it a little speech, which I did. And the director of McDowell that year, one of the resident chairmen, was Michael Shabon. Who, who, went before he introduced me, he talked a bit about David. And I said to him afterwards, what you said was brilliant. You mm-hmm. should print that. Wow. And he was very, you know, selfie-facing and said, no, no. But then when I met with Stein, I said, you should get Michael Shabon to let you print his what he said at McDowell. And so that ended up being in the catalog as well.
2: And this is, of course, endorsed by David Lynch, right? I mean, this is, this oh, yeah, is David's yeah, book. I mean, yeah. I read something that there was lenders, so is is there is there people's personal collection of david Lynch's work oh at... yeah, oh
3: yeah, it's it was drawn from all over the place it was a it's really a very, very big show, I mean they had. They did. They did this film programming in tandem with with the Cinemathek there in Maastricht. They had their own screening room there. They they had live music accompanying um, wow. one of David's animations. It's really, it was very ambitious. So yeah, there's work coming from lots of lenders, some museums loan pieces, his galleries loan pieces. So yeah, they called on everybody.
2: Nice. And what I like about this book, is it's interesting, I've seen, I mean, I've, I've looked at other Lynch's artwork books, this one seemed to have a lot of essays, more than probably other books, and I think that that's great that there's these different writers who kind of share about, about Lynch's work.
3: Yeah, yeah, this one has four, I think there's Stein, myself, Michael Chabon, and this art historian Petra. Um, most museum catalogs usually have two or three. Yeah. Four's a lot, but yeah. But it's a big book.
2: Yeah. Definitely. It's, and I'm glad you mentioned the big book. I mean, it is beautiful. I I got it <laughs> through Amazon, and I get it, and it's like, this is a really big box. <laughs> I open it, and it's like, wow, this is so beautiful.
3: It is a beautiful book. Yeah, Stein did an amazing job. It's yeah, it's it's a shame David's not going to see the show, but um, he's not going to see it, so that's too bad. No. I hope somebody does, films a walkthrough of it for him so he can see it, because it's overwhelming how much he's produced you really are knocked out by that when you actually see the show cuz they have they have things like drawings he made when he was like 8 or 9 years old and mm. then there's are pieces that he made when the show was being hung that are really really new
0: so in in the book like uh the pieces the matchbooks which were really interesting um did they have those there
3: yeah it has all the all the matchbook drawings are there I think all of the napkin drawings are there, the post-it drawings, um, his lamps, pretty much every series he's done is there and represented. Wow. There, there I, were quite a few of his prints from Edem in France.
0: Wow. I love his lamps. Yeah. I yeah. want a lamp. Those lamps are so, those, those lamps are really cool.
3: Yeah, the lamps all came from private collections, so those were all loaned by collectors and wow. um, and the matchbook drawings are so beautiful in person. They're, they're, that's some of my favorite work he's made. I love those.
2: Those matches that I, I've heard about them, but to actually see them in the book is so special. And I think that they were from the 1970s. And I was like, yeah. I always met, but I said, it's like, wow, this is, you know, that was a long time ago. Is he still like maybe smoking and still doodling and stuff? <laughs> like, I, I can't he's imagine still, that. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. You know,
3: when I was, when we were working on the book together, David, he'll say he loves drawing illustrations. And when he's collaborating with people, he'll often make some crazy drawing that makes no sense to you. But he'll very methodically explain what he's thinking and draw a line here and a line there. So he often made me drawings when we were writing the book together, and I saved them all, of course. Ah. So he's yeah, he's a doodler. He's always <laughs> doing something like that.
2: Can you share a little bit about your essay that that you did?
3: Well, let's see. Um, David does so many different things in terms of his visual art, are prints and drawings and watercolors and paintings, sculpture, film, lamps. So I just thought rather than try to tackle all of it, I would just take one thing, which is his paintings, and just focus on that. So I just wrote about the paintings, and I just looked at them and tried to take a really deep dive into them.
2: Yeah, nice. And, you know, so the book is uh, Someone is in My House, and it seems to be based on the actual artwork that he did in uh, 2014. And, right. And you mentioned in your essay about how houses are a reoccurring motif in Lynch's painted world, but it also seems to be something special in TV when you think about Twin Peaks, the new series, It is in Our House Now. And I think about Lost Highway, I'm in your uh-huh. house right now. Do, do yeah. You, do you see no,
3: I think that's all part of his basic suburban American vocabulary, is neighborhoods and houses and one's childhood home and childhood memories. So that's still, I think, very vivid for him. And he draws on it in all the kind of work he does.
0: The uh, photos of the houses with the snowmen in front of them were so eerie.
3: Yeah, those are pretty creepy. They're very disturbing, I think. Yeah, it's funny, you know, he had this very idyllic childhood, but his renderings of houses are always a little sinister and scary. Yeah,
0: yeah like, he, he knows that instead of going behind those walls, something happy could be happening, he's almost thinking, well, something... Dark could possibly be happening. Well
3: I always feel he presents the house as something that must be escaped from.
0: Ooh, I like that. You know, it's
3: yeah, it's always but I think that's all about David trying to him fleeing the suburban environment he grew up in into the art life, which is much more bohemian and wide open. Yeah. Um, so that's a very broad metaphor but I that, that's kind of the way it seems to me.
0: I like that. I I didn't think about that. That's very interesting. Yeah.
3: Good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about at the end of the book, the biography, he seems very happy in his home now. Like, he could just live there. I mean, like, he's got his studios and he's got his woodwork and he's got his whole world. So, I mean, it's definitely not something that affects him in his life now.
3: Definitely not. I Actually, I saw him last week, and he just got a new editing system so he and he's teaching himself this new editing system and he replaced the soundboard in his studio. So he's teaching himself that system and he bought himself a sewing machine. Oh, you wow. know, it's possible. he never wants to go anywhere because he has so many things he likes doing there.
2: So. Yeah. You probably couldn't say anything, but the fact that he's got a new editing machine or he's got work makes me think he, he wants to do something new. He wants to create new you oh, know, yeah. videos, yeah. new films, or something like that. So to me, that is exciting to see. Like, he wouldn't do that if he – even for his personal use, he, he, he wants to create new things.
3: Oh, always, yeah. No, David will never stop working. You know, he always has. And he's also, since Twin Peaks, The Return – been sorting through, he has, he writes down, scribbles down little ideas on scraps of paper and puts them in piles and boxes here and there, and he'd accumulated a lot of them. And Sabrina, his trustworthy sidekick, just spent, you know, she spent months typing them up for him and organizing them. Wow. So he's, yeah, he's definitely fishing for ideas and figuring out what he's going to, he'll do more. He'll yeah, do more I on hope film so. and television. I yeah hope
0: so. Yeah. And, Uh, Speaking of the return, I was reading um, the man was shot Uh 0.9502 seconds ago. The artwork. The artwork there. With the the glowing, the yellow orb coming out of him, it reminded Uh me of the little boy being hit by the car and with the glowing orb. Well, the little boy
3: being hit by the car and also when the fireman... He um, yes. levitates in oh. episode eight, and the gold comes out at the top of his head. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, that Yeah. And he writes the word spirit on the artwork. So it's like, here. you know, if you weren't sure what it is, now you really know.
3: Yes, he definitely has labeled it. Yeah, that that painting is gigantic, I think. Is it? How big yeah. is it? It's probably about eight feet by ten feet.
0: Wow. Mm.
3: Because it actually has real human clothing in it. I, oh as God.
0: I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, that those look like real. Yeah. Clothing. So
3: it it's really big.
0: I I enjoyed some of Lynch's work that he does
2: kind of use actual materials into the painting. Like it's not a, it almost be like a 3D painting. I can yes. remember, remember in the 90s, like a a bird would fly into his painting and he would just incorporate that into the painting. And it was like, I don't, to me, that's <laughs> wild that it's like yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, those, you know, those paintings, when he was doing those giant paintings in the 90s, it's almost like they were hovering between being paintings and stage sets because, Mm -hmm. you know, they had a three-dimensional illusion, but there were actual objects built into them. I think there's an actual telephone in one of those paintings, Um, so... um, When I was up at his house the other day, he just finished another big, huge, gigantic painting that was loosely based on a drawing of a house he made when he was about 10 years old, back to the house.
0: Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, like the lights. I love the ones where he put lights in them. Yeah, I love
3: those too. Yeah.
0: And everybody seems to have very long arms. (laughs) That's
3: true. And I don't know what that's about. I've never figured that out. Um,
0: They have guns, long arms with guns or lights or... Or
3: matches. Matches, matches. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fire in his work too. Fire metaphor comes and goes a lot.
0: Yeah. Going back to the text, the fact that he incorporates text in his art, which is something you don't see very often. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't know if anybody else has ever done it, but it's become part of his art. And it, oh, definitely! And yeah, it's weird because most artists just want you to interpret it, and which David Lynch does with his films. But it's interesting in his paintings; he's giving you the clues. He's writing them out for you. He's saying this is what it be, is. But they could be—they
3: could be red herrings. You never really know, uh, you know. That's true. Because a lot of times, I feel like he uses language just almost like a design element you know he he puts words in and it, they function more as a thing you're looking at than a thing you're reading it just shapes
0: yeah true
3: um yeah i don't i don't i've never you know i can't ask david directly why do you use text in your painting i, I know he would I never know. answer a question like that yeah yeah um i don't think he could because everything he does is very um intuitive he probably doesn't know why he wants to put words in but they're just they appear
0: yeah, I, I mean, I like them because it does help... Because he uses a lot of darks sometimes, and it is...
3: Uh-huh.
0: Looking at looking the, at them on a piece of paper, it's really hard to tell sometimes what I'm looking at. But if yeah. I saw it in real life, I'm sure it would be obvious.
3: Yeah. Well, no, they're, they can be hard to read. The ma- when he really started using language a lot, I think it was in the late 80s, and when he was doing... Jumbo's Clown Room and, and um, that's me in front of my house and um, the, yeah he did quite a few that they're very scary dark turbulent paintings oh. and they're, they're like pure mood they're kind of hard to understand when you see
0: them I think it, he, he does the whole um, he says it's because it's dreamlike and there's less detail which I totally get because when you go back and you think of a dream I don't think of color I think of darks. Uh-huh. So, I yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. Definitely, d- yeah. And way back in the day when, uh, you know, Lynch was kind of just getting into films, I think he would paint his house all black, and then, and then yeah, the whole house would be black so he could film stuff, and then I think Peggy, his wife at the time, would be like, oh, he's making it black again, he's painting the whole house, and I <laughs> I, I don't know, yeah. I, he really seems to enjoy the black. And, and yeah. yeah, yeah, he's
3: Maybe. not, well, I, but he has made brightly colored, he uses color, you know, a lot more now mm. than he used to. Yeah. There are some paintings in the show, recent paintings, paintings that are very colorful, but I'd say two-thirds of his work is definitely in kind of a turbulent, dark palette of shades, definitely.
2: And I kind of think he maybe wants you to dream. He wants you to go in there and, and kind of maybe imagine things on your own. To some oh, way. of course, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: That's, he, he's just creating a bed for us to lay down on and dream, really. <laughs> he wants everybody to just go into that zone because
1: that's his favorite place to be, I think. I always say, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is my biggest influence. There's something about the mood here. There was dark, carved wood, banisters and stairways. There was a certain type of green that they would paint the rooms, either white or this strange green. The rooms had nice proportions, so there was a certain kind of purity. It hadn't been disturbed,
0: except by the soot. It wasn't any one particular thing or scene that you witnessed here. It was the mood and is what some of the images did when they got down inside of you. Yeah, Philadelphia is a, uh,
1: percolating in me.
0: This book shows us, um, which I heard about and I'm so glad I got to see, is the uh, the dog that is angry comic.
3: Oh right, yeah, the angriest dog in the world, yeah.
0: I and it reminded me of this comic called Raw Meat. It's similar, where they they use just very limited, still uh, one sketch, multiple words, and they'll use that one sketch over and over and over again. And this is hilarious to me. I don't know why. I, write, I I'm like, I want a whole book of these.
3: Well, I'm. Su- I think there might be one. I'm surprised if there's not. I, but actually, you're right. I don't think there is a book. But, you know, I live in, L- where are you guys? Where do you live? We're
0: in Connecticut, and Massachusetts.
3: Oh, okay, because The Angriest Dog in the World was premiered and ran. I saw it every week in the LA Weekly and the LA Reader for nine years it ran. So, something. wow. Um, yeah, I was just used to seeing it. It seemed like <laughs> it was always around. Um, and, and they usually all said the same thing. They were about suppress- suppressed rage and frustration. Yeah.
2: yeah. David seemed like he used to have a temper, and, and through meditation, he seems to be able to control it and and have less of that. And I feel like in some of his work, he, he, I think of Lost Highway with uh, the guy cutting him off and uh, and driving and saying, "Oh, oh baby, I that- love that scene. That I love scene that scene. It's so movie. funny. Yes. It's so good." You yeah, know. I've
3: talked to David about that. That was definitely based on an experience he oh. had. You yeah. know, he wrote the scene after he had that experience Isn't on that the good? road.
1: Wow. Oh, Would you oh, never shit. fucking tailgate! Hammer! Tell him you won't tailgate. Hammer! Oh,
0: I won't ever tailgate. do you know how many
1: fucking car legs it takes to stop a car at 35 miles an hour? Six fucking car legs! That's 106 fucking feet, mister! If I had to stop suddenly, you would have hit me! I want you to get a fucking driver's manual! I want you to study that motherfucker! And I want you to obey the goddamn rules! Fifty fucking thousand people were killed on the highway last year because of fucking assholes like you! Tell me you're gonna get a manual! You're a manual. (sighs) I'm sorry about that, Pete. (laughs) But tailgating is one thing I cannot tolerate. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that.
0: Dumland too. When we reviewed Dumland, that was like a lot of pent up aggression, like loud noises yes. and traffic and neighbors and.
2: And we always wondered, was it David? Was did David get frustrated by like the neighbors? Like.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dave, well, you know, we, when the we did this uh, event for the book last June, they screened on a giant screen all nine episodes of Dumland. And David, we were backstage, and he was so happy because people were laughing at it. But a lot of people just find it so violent and extreme. It's pretty gross. Did you watch all of that online? Because you can
2: I mean, I – so I was a David Lynch, uh, com member, and so I would watch – I think that was originally where yeah. it was and stuff. And right, I think, right. I thought it was funny, and we were talking on the show about how it was almost like Be- – not Beavis and Butthead, but it was like – it was ahead of its time for – oh, I know, South Park. It was ahead of its time for, like, something that's kind of crude and funny yeah. and uh-huh. stuff. So I think – yeah, it can be funny, and other times it's like, ah. Uh...
0: <laughs> Repetitive. Yeah. Yeah.
3: but to see nine of them on a very big screen uh, in a row was uh, sort of overwhelming,
2: because they're so
3: aggressive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everyone's really mad after that.
2: Yeah. And we did a show. We did a whole show. So we we covered all nine. So we didn't talk about every single one of
3: them. We did. But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We did. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You did like a half hour show on every episode of Dumbland? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. You guys are mad. <laughs> I know. Uh, I
1: think we like, are.
2: Anything David Lynch, Twin Peaks related, I think we've tried to cover yeah. it. So,
1: yeah.
3: Well, there's always a lot coming out. Yeah, did you do something on his book of the nudes photographs that just I, came out? We no. had missed
0: that. Why did we? I don't know why well, we missed that. We know it. Came, we remember when it came out because I remember he had a little tour. Was it in France? He had something. It came
3: out. It was published in France, but you can get it. I'll tell You should tell Sabrina or Michael to send you one.
0: Yeah. I, we should do that, because I
2: like it. I mean, I love getting all his books and, yeah. and be able
0: to talk I, about it. I actually looked for that at Barnes & Noble, and I could not find it.
3: It wasn't... I've never seen it in the States. I don't think it made it... I don't think it had a distributor, but I oh. got a copy from David. Yeah, so you should do that.
0: The, the one thing I want to say about this book, I was kind... I mean, I wanted to find it at a bookstore, and I couldn't. I had to order it online. But it is
2: classic art. Maybe it's just such, such artwork.
0: Well, see, that, that's, it,
3: that's a big problem, and... and this is kind of off topic, but I've done a lot of art books and it's very hard to find distribution. There's like one yeah. distributor that distributes to small independent bookstores and museums in America. So it's hard to get these books around. I'm wow. sure that the, someone is in my house will not get it you won't see that in a bookstore in America.
2: That's really too
3: bad. Yeah, that's too saying?
0: bad. I mean, we're happy enough that we got to order it online, but I, I always like going to a bookstore and just buying it Yeah, right we talked about
2: having a local store, like supporting local stores, yeah. and then
0: not, unfortunately yeah. they don't cover Yeah, couldn't right. find it. Well, yeah. could you ask a bookstore to stock it? I don't know, because this book was carried on Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Amazon. Oh, it was? Yeah, I, I actually got oh. my copy from Target.
3: Oh, no kidding. That's online, amazing. Online though, yeah. I guess that's the distribution, you know, it's like the brick and mortar stores. It's a shame that you can't just, you know, go in a bookstore and stumble across this book.
0: Yeah. We don't I don't have any local bookstores in my area. I, I think Ben has probably a little bit more, but still. Yeah, we had
2: a whole conversation about how it used to be the local stores you'd support and the local stores kinda of went away with Barnes and Noble and now it's like online that it's kind of taken over. Yeah. And it's really it's kinda of sad. They're
1: all eating yeah. each other up.
3: Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, it's to, books are, it's a tough time for books, but they keep coming out, so.
1: I only wanted to be a painter. Painting led to wanting to do a moving painting with sound. So, cinema to me is sound and picture moving together in time. And for me, it was born out of painting. You know, change
2: a uh, subject, you know, I, I wonder if you could tell me, why do you think David Lynch returned to Twin Peaks? I mean, like, he keeps coming back. I mean, he came back for Fire Walk With Me, and then he did return for uh, the new series.
3: Because that's his basic world. That's yeah. It's like Blue Velvet. It's yeah. that neighborhood. He'll always go back to, you know, he loves, he's told me he loves the Palmers. He loves the characters. And it's it's, in his mind, I think it's such a fluid armature that he can explore all kinds of things through it as he certainly did in season three yeah, it, yeah. He, that's just his home base kind of his twin peaks
2: that's great it always seems like he has new stories i mean i bet there's plenty of stories in his head that he could share with us someday maybe. oh like, yeah. yeah i'm
3: sure he, he left tons of there's a lot of stuff that didn't end up in twin peaks the return
2: yeah I, always, yeah I always imagine that I, I, I always say to sabrina i wish if if he doesn't uh, you know he doesn't do anything with that footage i wish we had the script available to us just to be able to see because i i imagine there was a lot of stuff that had to be cut out yeah. Um, yeah yeah
3: there was i think it would have been even longer you know because they they sold the pilot they they wrote the script and david just continued writing and it got longer and more elaborate and layered and yeah, I think he could continue burrowing into that world forever, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and his his art lends to it. Because we noticed... This is something Ben and myself have said, um, and even I, a couple other people we've had on the show, that the, the Return was his magnum opus, and there was a lot of artwork he incorporated into The Return. And looking right. at this book, I'm like, it it is. There's so many... Um, Things so that it evolved. Like yeah, you can see some of
2: these pieces. Like, boy, that uh, uh, what was that? The I black
0: think, box. Oh yeah, a man
2: and, and the machine piece. It makes me think yeah. of uh, the giants. Uh, you know, it's funny yeah.
3: when I went over to the opening of the show in and Bonif- uh, Maastricht, I gave a lecture on David's handmade props. You know, because these are art. These are things that are in, and he made a lot of them in the return. But there are props that he makes himself that are really kind of little artworks that are kind of secreted in there. I'll send you the the series of images.
2: Oh, that would be wonderful.
3: Yeah, it it took a lot of work to zero in and get images of all of them. But but things like, you know, the the statue in the the plaza outside Lucky 7 Insurance, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's based on a photograph of his father.
2: Oh. oh my God! Right, because we kind of exact- look like a cowboy or something, but yeah, yeah. it's
3: exactly. The, I, yeah, and I have the photo in my slideshow, and wow. you can see it's exactly the same. Oh, so awesome. there's all kinds of little things in his, in his films and television that, are have those kind of things attached.
0: Isn't that something? Yeah. Well, you know, you just you just. Uh, there the the mystery of that statue being like a David Bowie thing and a lot of people uh-huh. were trying yeah, to there
2: was a lot of different
3: yeah. Know,
0: thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, people cool. thought it was Bowie, but it was his father. Yeah. Wow. That's
2: really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great, great to have this book and like yeah, all the books he's put out. And but you know, we we had talked to John Neff, who had done uh, oh I know all about
3: John Neff. You
2: know. John Neff. Yeah. He had done Blue Bob, and he had, yeah. and when they had done like songs together, sometimes uh, uh, David would pull out a shoebox of poems. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had a book of David Lynch's poems? Because I think I feel like that's I think that some of his music and our poems, and I feel like he's probably always writing things besides his paintings and artwork of just poetry
3: well he does you know every time like when he does the the festival of disruption yeah he makes whenever he does an appearance and has to speak he usually will go out and read a very short poem he's written but then he crumples it up and throws it away he doesn't keep them Uh, i'm surprised sabrina hasn't fished them out of the trash cans because there's a lot of them
2: yeah, we went to the New York uh, Festival of Disruption, and we were able to go to a private event where he was there. And he right, he came out and he read, and I think was and there was a violin too? There was somebody was playing a violin? Yeah, yes. right. It, it yeah. was really cool, yeah, yeah. and it was a great moment. I think we were like five feet away from him, and it was just a wonderful once-in-a-lifetime-for-me experience to, to see that.
1: The small visions twinkled and sparkled like jewels. I wanted to epoxy them to my nose, so I could see them 60 times a minute. The large visions would come up into my esophagus, and I would think about all the animals I had known, and the panoramas, which at that time weren't apparent, weren't even married, as they were only nine at the time. It was sweet the way they crawled on the wall. I never put it together until later that this was on a Friday, like today.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, there should be a book of his poems. Um, I'll, I'll mention that to him next time I see him.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know why, but then you made me think about Blue Bob and the fact that he uses Bob in his paintings. And I wonder uh-huh. if Blue Bob is a physical being that creates music that is the same character that lives in his paintings. Because he wears that weird mask in the da- in the music video. Oh yeah. Like, uh huh. It was so weird. And I don't know why. Because it's I mean, interesting. Just Bob, he
2: just likes Bob. He likes Bob, big boys. I think maybe he just likes the name Bob. Yeah, well, yeah. I know. he
3: likes the name Bob. He likes the name Sally that yeah. he uses a lot, I and the that. name Jim. There's all the Mister Jim drawings, that's and true. paintings that he did.
2: Yeah, that's something. So I was just gonna ask you, how are you doing? Can you share with us anything that you're you're working on now?
3: I'm working on um, I'm working on an oral history of Marlon Brando. Wow,
2: Ooh, that is incredible.
3: Yeah, and in there, David had some great stories about Marlon Brando, so that's in there.
2: Yeah, right. It was in the, it was in your memoir, at least that one of yeah. The stories. Was
3: yeah, just... I love that story. It's so funny. Yeah. It's kind of what got me thinking that I should do this book, so that's what I'm working on. <laughs> that is
2: awesome. Yeah. Wow. A- any idea when that will be out, roughly?
3: Um, Probably two or three years. Yeah. It'll take that long to actually get everything cleared and done, because I have to interview about 60 or 70 people, so it'll take a while.
0: Wow.
2: wow. And my last thing was just about the, the Scenes Magazine. I mean, do we have an update when that will come out? That's so odd. I, You know, really, I don't
3: know if it will ever come out. Aww. Because I finished the issue in terms of the editorial, but the guy who's publishing it just keeps postponing, putting it out. I don't know what his trip is, but he he emailed me last night because he said he was going to premiere it at Cannes this year, and I said... Well, if it's going to be at can. you must be about to go on press. I need to look at it before it goes on press. Yeah. And he, so he said, no, it's not going to be in May. So I don't know what's going on with that. It's a shame. It is. I but- told him – I said it's too late. You can't run an excerpt from Room to Dream in there. It's like a year ago. It's obsolete. You can't. Oh. Mm. So – it's still interesting. Anyway. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Oh. Oh, and so, I really think about Richard Beamer's foot uh, photography though. It's still like I think it was going to be in a, a nice big format, and I, I would...
3: yeah, it's all done. But uh, I don't know what's going on with it getting out. I did my part.
2: So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so um, much for your time. It's, it means a lot that we got to talk to you and learn oh, more you're about so the book. Sweet. And,
3: sure. God bless you. God bless you for your mission.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Uh, well, and I okay. hope we talk again. I, can't, I mean, even, yeah. even if it's not related, I would love to hear more about Maybe the book. Maybe we'll here. come to
0: okay. LA sometime. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have yes, to meet you from yes, LA. You,
3: yeah, you definitely should. Be definitely. Awesome. Okay. okay. Thank you so okay. much. All right. Have a good night. You, you too. too. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.
2: Thank you, Krista McKenna, for coming on the show. It's great having you on and, and getting to learn a little bit more about this wonderful art book, Someone is in My House.
0: I highly, highly recommend getting this book because it's a treasure trove of into Lynch's mind. And there's a lot of connections with The Return that he incorporated his work into that series. Well, we called it The Castle when The Return came out, but... There's something in here that reminds me of that castle. It's like the this factory, factory yeah. and floating above water, and then the black box. Well, now you you look at this book. I don't want to ruin it. You got to buy the book. It it will tell you where this black box came from. Are you talking about Man and the Machine? No, that's different. But oh, the man th- but the man and the machine is sort of like The Um, Giants world, where those
2: domes, those black domes. And that was, you know, he did this uh, work back in 2009. So it's funny to see that almost 10 years later or, you know, eight years later, he, he seems like he might be incorporating into Twin Peaks.
0: There's a lot of great secrets in here. So I highly recommend going online, finding this book, and buying it. Because it is cool. And it's disturbing. And the only paintings in this book that I do not like are the ones with the animal parts, I kind (laughs) of glossed over that. I was like, I don't want to see it.
2: Yeah, but I was saying, like, yeah, back in the day, you know, a bird would get into his painting, and he would just use that. Like, some people would think, oh, you wrecked my painting. But him, nope, that's
0: part of the painting. The actual animal is part of, of his painting. And he did these things called chicken boxes and whatever, and it was just, like, a dissecting of an animal. And he would have, like, the bits and parts and... I couldn't stomach that. But other than that, I love it. Yes. This is an amazing book. Some great artwork. So if you have a comment, a question, or theory about David Lynch's art book, Someone Is In My House, give us an email at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. Please hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. The more you do that, the, the higher up our podcast goes to the top and people will uh, discover us. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, your favorite podcast, Catcher. You can find us. Um, how's Twitter been? Twitter's
2: awesome. We've got a great community. It's it's really cool. We got we just got through uh, 25 years later sites, month of Twin Peaks, yes. and that was great. I mean, that was like every day I was seeing content from them and, and that was wonderful. And it was great that we got to talk with them all month long. And yeah, so I mean, there's just always something cool going on on Twitter.
0: Last month, it was crazy with the 25 Years Later yeah. stuff. It was awesome, and I'm so glad we get to highlight some of the works.
2: Right, and our, our schedule was really busy, and I was I was impressed that we were able to work it out, that we could talk with all
0: of them. I don't know how we did it. <laughs> but just so everybody knows, March is going to be a little bit lighter. We're going to have one uh, very interesting, something different, what I'm going to call Lynch Madness and uh, stay tuned, you'll all know. It's exciting,
2: another one of your uh, ideas that I'm I'm excited to uh, be a part of.
0: Yes, I, I don't wanna let anything else out, it's called Lynch Madness. It will be coming out this March. And I think we're, oh yeah, so I think
2: we're only going to have one. That's going to be the it for. March. We're going to have two. We're going to have two. We really are trying to go bi weekly right now. Yeah. So you we're know, slowing it down. We're slowing it down. That doesn't mean we're not interested. It just means we've got other things going on. And w- right now, we're, we can do two a month, probably.
0: Yeah. And then April. Fingers crossed. Uh, we we might have JC back for a live. Yeah, episode. let's go
2: back to that live show. That'd be
0: awesome in April. Yeah. So that's the weather has to be better. We have New England weather to deal with. We uh, slippery roads and snow and cold. <laughs> so once we get past that, I think April will be smooth sailing, and we can uh, have JC back on. And she's very excited to come back. She misses everybody. We miss her. So I think that would be an awesome. That would be awesome cool. show. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Support us on Public. Thank you for everybody who has bought in something in the last couple months. We really, really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, we thank you when you do. You can get t-shirts, coffee mugs, phone cases, stickers, what have you. Uh, so we appreciate that. And with that, I guess we're out of here. We're out of here. See you soon.
1: I never really knew uh, that it was possible to be an artist in in the modern world. I just never uh, figured that you could do that. Forget being the best of anything. That's the fruit of the action. And you do the work, they say, for the doing not the fruit. You can never really know how it's going to turn out in the world, but you know if you enjoy doing it and the ideas start flowing and you start getting, you know, excited about stuff, then you're having a great time in the doing. And that's what it's all about. If you don't enjoy the doing, then do something else.